I suppose that we ought to read the rest of that passage, although there's something in my heart that sort of resists parts of it. It seems to turn a little harsh from their own. You remember, some of you who are familiar with Jesus' sharing this parable, he goes on to say, Then he will say to those at his left hand, You that are accursed, depart from me into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me no food. I was thirsty, and you gave me nothing to drink. And I was a stranger, and you did not welcome me. Naked, and you did not give me clothing. Sick and in prison, and you did not visit me. Then they also will answer, Lord, when was it that we saw you hungry, or thirsty, or a stranger, or naked, or sick, or in prison, and did not take care of you? Then he will answer them, Truly I tell you, just as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. I told you it was difficult, this last part of that parable. Did you pick up on Jesus' eschatology here, his thoughts on end times and the things that are important? He uses this as an opportunity to speak to those that are closest to him. And he says, the time will come when all will be gathered. All the nations will be gathered, not just the church, but all of the nations. Everyone will be gathered. And there will be this accounting that we will face because we know that God favors certain things. We know that God leans in his justice toward those who will become instruments of compassion for his sake within creation. This should not catch us by surprise, but it always seems to when we read this passage. It gets us before we realize it. The sheep and the goats that he had been observing, Jesus had been observing became this good means for parable. There the sheep and the goats grazed together on the hillsides. It was not so out of order that they might. But when the crucial time came for the sheep to go one way and to send the goats in the other, Jesus saw his opportunity. It may have just been that you were getting the sheep to the side to shear them and the goats to the other side to milk them. But Jesus saw an opportunity he wasn't going to miss. This is a parable, you get it, that is not for the sheep. This is crucial, however, for the goats to hear. The sheep, they're okay, right? They're in a pretty good situation Even though they don't know that they've done the right things, they've done the right things. The goats, however, they thought they were doing the right things, and yet they were not doing what the Son of Man had called them to do. This sermon series is on the church we want to be. Or maybe better yet said, the church that we understand that Christ wants us to be. And what is that? 
a vibrant and fruitful congregation, but also to be a risk-taking congregation. There is much ordinary service in being church. In fact, on any given day, you can find me doing some things in the office that I'd rather just leave behind. The administrative tasks are always there. The communications, the letters that must be sent, the calls that must be made. I'd rather be out and doing active things, hands-on ministry. But many of you also participate in this, the administrative tasks, the repairs, the ushering, the greeting, the rearranging, the setting up, the breaking down. Have you ever set up tables at the church? I I tell you, I've done it all of my life. My dad, when I was a child, I can remember my dad saying, y'all need to help me set up the fellowship hall. We got a church dinner tonight. This is part of the inner workings of the church. Setting up, breaking down, even the teaching and the inviting that we do is a part of the maintenance of being church within the world. It is a safe, it is a predictable, it is a comfortable, it is a certain environment that we lend ourselves to. Part of the reason that we do that is because it gives us a sense of comfort in being connected with others who are of the same mind and purpose. But if we think, if we think that we fulfill the call of God by simply being connected to the ongoing administration of the church, then we miss the whole point of why Jesus came. Do you remember that in Jesus' Sermon on the Plain, as Luke puts it, that Jesus expressed to those that were listening, if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. If you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. But isn't this why we come to church? Isn't this why we involve ourselves in church? Because we just love being around each other and and being a part of that Sunday school or that that group, that life group or the the church as a whole. It's just the most loving church. I've heard people say this about Pittman Park. You've heard it said, haven't you? It's just the most loving church, which is a wonderful thing, and I don't discount that. But if you and I think that we have accomplished Christ's purposes, by maintaining the structure of what is on the interior of these walls. We have missed it at a very important place. We are called to be risk takers in mission and service. Isn't this who we want to be? Isn't this truly who we want to be? What does that look like? You know, I mean, we've just come out of this holiday season of Christmas and the celebrations there and all of the forms of charity that we so eagerly participate in. We rise to the occasion. And then we send those cards, may Christmas peace be with you all the year round. And yet we don't welcome that spirit in ourselves to be Christmas peace for others in the 11 months that follow out of the year. You and I must be risk takers 
If we value this parable and Christ's calling upon our life, Sue and I were in the Cracker Barrel restaurant several weeks ago, and I ran into John Long. Some of you know him here in town with his cowboy hat and his cowboy boots and his overflowing spirit, his effervescent life that is formed most fully when he is busy with his local mission organization that feeds the poor and cares for those that are in need. And in the process of that conversation, it was interesting, um, he said to me, he said to me, Jackie Cooper. I said, oh, yes, Jackie Cooper. And Jackie would not want me saying this, but I've already put her through that. She was here at 845, and I'm going to say it again anyway. He said, Jackie Cooper. He said, I bet you would love to have 50 of those in your church. And I smiled and I I said, you're right, John, you are absolutely right. What a, an angel of mercy she is and how, how she has become this representative of ours. And there are several others that do the same in this church that are so invested in this reaching out through food ministry and in so many ways. Some of you know who I'm talking about. We've got an army of people that work with this ministry. But they are the ones not only that Christ is calling, he is calling all of us to be risk takers. All of us, not to just send representatives into this work, but that all of us would gain our own place of risk taking for this purpose of doing mission. There are many ways in which we can be involved in mission. I mean, who would have thought that you could eat chocolate and run and do something good, you know, for somebody else? But open hearts. Think about this. And do you mobbly bless her heart, you know, and the efforts that are being made in the direction of of placing some type of center here in Statesboro that would actually care for those that are homeless among us. Not that they would be sustained in their homelessness. Hopefully that there would be a place in their future in which they would have a home, which is where we turn our attention now to who? Habitat for Humanity. And Linda Christie and her group that are are pouring their heart into generating continued excitement for the work of building houses that are decent that people can live in. You and I are called to be risk takers. I have had a few risk taking moments in my life. One that will stand out for me is when Hurricane Katrina came through. You remember the damage it did on the Gulf shore. We sent from Trinity United Methodist and Warner Robins a number of different um task force, mission teams that went to do the work of helping people just get through the tragedy of of those moments. I'm sure that Pittman Park was doing the very same thing uh, in that time. I was asked by our missions team leader, do you want to go with us? We're going to muck out houses. That sounded dangerous to me. And I said, what do you mean when you say muck out houses? And 
they smiled and they said, well, you'll have to come and see what that means. It's better that they did not tell me in advance what mucking out houses is all about. It is a term that is apropos to the work that is at hand. It is a messy, messy job. And I felt I was taking some risk in doing it. I, I'm sure that there was less risk than I thought that there was. But for me, it was a stretch. Do you ever feel God calling you to stretch into something that makes you uncomfortable? That's what we're talking about today. Risk taking for missions and service. Being asked to do those things that God asks you to stretch toward in order to be his church. I... It was fascinated to learn that a United Methodist pastor, Reverend Mel West, uh, came up with such a creative idea that the Lord had laid on his heart for mission and service. He came up with an organization that he named PET. It's an acronym for Personal Energy Transportation. And it was a way of turning a wheelchair into a self-propelled self-propelled mechanism for persons in third world countries who have had polio or who have been injured by landmines particularly to be able to get around on their own volition. Isn't that incredible? You know how big that has grown now? They have 10 sites that are being run by volunteers who make these machines and distribute them by the thousands every year to places in need. What is God calling us to do? You and I have great pride to to know that we are a people who send out a team to Haiti to care for others every year. And other churches help to populate this team as well from our community. And we send them forth to do the work of mission. We send out a team to the Dominican Republic. And you and I can take great, great pride in knowing that we do this. But close to home, what is it that God is calling us individually and as a community to do that might stretch us? In a church that... I served, God sent to us a man who was broken. He was dealing with poverty unlike I had ever encountered. He wasn't homeless, but he was just above homelessness. The church thought about it after Calvin showed up, and they decided to take a risk with Calvin and love him. And they welcomed him in, so much so that they said, you don't have to pay for your Wednesday night supper, Calvin. We know that this is a stretch for you. Let us take care of this. Calvin smiled on that and loved it, that he was able to come and to join together. In fact, so much so did he feel good about that, that he began to show up on Sunday mornings for worship, which is what was... Uncomfortable for some because Calvin did not always dress the way that other people in the church 
might expect a churchgoer to dress. But the church broadened itself and welcomed Calvin in. And persons would come and sit with Calvin. But then things got complicated because Calvin, Calvin, we thought, was an individual that we could reach out to. But Calvin had family that we didn't know about. And guess what Dagum Calvin did? Calvin invited his family to Wednesday night supper. That's messing with us now. And they sat there at the table together. And we all knew looking at them, they don't have a penny to pay for this. What are we going to do? And several good-meaning folk in my congregation got me to the side, and they said, don't you worry about this, preacher. We'll cover this. They didn't realize how long-term that would be, but they were graceful. They were graceful, and what they had committed, they were faithful to. Calvin was so excited about the connection in the church that he would stand in the welcome area, and he was the self-appointed greeter at that door. And he would welcome people with a grin from ear to ear, even before your feet hit the pavement out in the parking lot, Calvin would holler and say, Welcome to church! It was a stretch for us. It was a stretch. (laughs) But let me tell you that over the course of that time, I... I grew to absolutely love Calvin. I still to this day absolutely love Calvin. Calvin's got my cell phone number. Calvin still calls me. And I love it. Who knows but what Calvin might show up here someday. God asks us to be a part of the network of those who will welcome him into their heart. You know that song, don't you? Into my heart, into my heart, come into my heart, Lord Jesus, come in today, come in to stay, come into my heart. Lord Jesus, but that is risky stuff. It is risky stuff because when Jesus comes, let me tell you, he's going to bring some needy folk with him. He always does, always does. But for a risk-taking church, we can handle it. We got it, Jesus, because we know what you're about. You are about our giving ourselves, risking everything that we are for the mission that you have among us. And we thank you that we can be Christ in the world today. That's what this table is about. Jesus said, my bread is my flesh. This wine is my blood. Remember, 
We receive him in order that we can share him. I invite you to come to this table to receive.